Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. This is Peter Pettit, one of the pastors at St. Paul. The passage in scripture on which we're focusing this week is right at the heart of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. And at the heart of that letter is Paul wrestling with what to him has been a conundrum. It's about how God works in different communities at different times. And we hear in this passage his realization about that which ultimately drives all of his ministry. We're reading in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. 
My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I was praying to be myself accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are Israelites. And to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the ancestors. And from them, according to the flesh, comes the Christ, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. That will be the source passage for this sermon. We also have read the story of Jesus' great feeding of the multitude in Matthew chapter 13, and you'll hear reference to that familiar story as well. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus. Amen. We have a very long-standing dear, dear family friend. I'll call her Connie. Connie is a master quilter. Connie can take t-shirts, scraps, any kind of cloth, like dozens of people in this congregation, I'm well aware, who also are master quilters. Connie can make the most exquisite creations out of these pieces of fabric. And for decades now, at every significant event in family and friends' lives, whether it's a birth, whether it's a graduation, whether it's a wedding, Connie arrives at the celebration with a quilt, handmade, personalized, specific to that individual and that moment. Now, because she's been doing this for decades and has done literally dozens and dozens and dozens of quilts, when she arrives with a new quilt, it's undoubtedly the case that there are many in the room who already have a quilt from Connie. Can you imagine how foolish it would be if when the new quilt is opened and held up, people started squabbling over whether theirs was better than that one? or whether this one's better than their own? Or can you imagine if, in order to avoid such competitive squabbling, Connie were to decide, I'm only ever going to make one quilt, the same quilt, identical for every individual, every moment, every occasion, and that'll solve the problem. What a waste. What a loss. Because the focus when we look at Connie's quilts are on the skill and the love and the relationship that go into each and every individual one of them. So usually what we do when we see the new quilt is say, wow, Connie did it again. Imagine, if you will, that Chris Nelson only ever plays one postlude for St. Paul. Imagine that our chorale only ever sings one anthem 
when they come to the services. Imagine Georgia O'Keeffe only painting one painting over and over and over and over again, or a master woodworker crafting the same table over and over and over again. Now, no, it's the skill and the dedication that goes into every one of these that are the essence of the grace that they share. It's the engagement with the moment, the focus on the individual people and the circumstances of each new creation that shapes the particular expression of that grace. And so we say, wow, they did it again. Now, if I'm honest, I have to grant that I, like I suspect many of us, often can get caught on one specific expression of a particular gift or grace. Maybe it's because of the emotion of the moment in which we first encountered it. You think about the song that was playing when you first met your life partner, the one that became the first dance at the wedding or got played every year on the anniversary of meeting. And yet, would we really want the composer only to have composed that one piece or the artist only to have ever performed that one song? Maybe it's the anxiety that we might lose something if it changes. Think about sports superstitions. You know, you don't change your socks while you're on a hitting streak in baseball. Wonder what happened to the women's World Cup soccer team this morning from the USA. That, what did they change and they lost something? Or the age-old common advice, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. In our gospel lesson this morning, Matthew shows the disciples getting kind of caught up in Jesus' particulars. Matthew's shown us in this gospel so far that the disciples have seen Jesus teaching a lot and healing a lot. He stilled a storm. And when Jesus sent the disciples out, he sent them out to defeat demons and to heal people. Teaching, healing, stilling storms, defeating demons. But now they're facing a hungry crowd. And they come to Jesus and say, send them away. This is different. Send them away. And Jesus says, look at what you have. You have plenty. And blesses and breaks and gives it to the disciples. And they distribute so that, what, 12, 15, 25, 30,000 people end up being fed. Wow. Jesus did it again. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the letter to the Romans that we read this morning, got stuck a little bit in terms of his relationship to God and his fellow Jews' relationship to God. Paul was a Jew, and they knew well what God had done for them. And many or most of them 
couldn't quite see what God was doing in Jesus Christ. Paul knew that he had been there himself. For the sake of what God was doing with Israel, he says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish because he had called down curses on himself by persecuting those who followed Jesus. Years later, it still gives him pain to remember how he was stuck on the particulars of what God had once done. But now he has realized that God's word is not static. It's not limited. It doesn't choose favorites. It's living and it's active. It's creative and it's life-giving wherever it touches creation. How does Paul know this? Well, listen to the litany that he gives us of the word's grace in the lives of his Jewish community. They are Israelites, he says, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises, and the dignity of ancestors graced by God from the outset. And what Paul recognizes at the, is that these are exactly the same graces that God now gives to non-Jews in Jesus Christ. Every one of them shows up in Paul's letters. Two of them show up in the chapter of Romans just before this. Listen to them again. These are the things Paul says that Gentiles, that's most of us, you and me, what we get in Jesus Christ, adoption, Glory, covenants, giving of a lifestyle, worship, promises, and those ancestors. And while these come in a different expression to us as Gentiles than they do for Jews, the God who gives them and the essence of what they offer are no different from what Jews continue to have still have. Paul says they are Israelites and these are their graces. They've not been replaced. But we can say, wow, God has done it again for us. It's not a simple repetition, but it's not a competition. It's God's overflowing grace coming to different communities at different times, in different circumstances, and different ways. And yet because God is one, all that difference is held together without anything being lost. When the disciples fed the multitudes, the healings didn't stop. When Jesus defeated demons, his teachings didn't become false. When God touches the world in Jesus Christ in ways that Gentiles can engage, the gifts and the promises to Jews don't go away. They're not replaced. In God, there's enough love, enough glory, 
enough covenantal commitment, enough teaching, enough to worship, enough promise, enough room in God's household. And we can see it as Paul and the disciples saw it, even and perhaps especially in different expressions than the ones we know. For us, that might mean seeing it in a Hindu community or Muslim, in native spirituality or humanism, among Jews and Buddhists and more. Now, there are some who may come to a respect for this great diversity of God's creation because they're basically secular or because philosophically they have embraced pluralism or perhaps politically they're liberal or maybe just politely uncritical. When we see God's Word living and active in other communities and other faiths, then because we are Christian, we can celebrate. Wow, God is doing it again. Amen.
please join me as we pray as the Lord has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. God blesses each one of us with our own song of faith. Let us go out into the world today, boldly singing our song, seeking its harmony in the great symphony that God is writing across the world, a symphony of God's word, God's love, God's care. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way, you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.